Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about his much-anticipated housing forecast for 2024. Logan, welcome to the podcast. Today is the day. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Finally, we are closing another chapter to another year of economics and in housing and time to look for another new year, which will probably present a lot of new drama events that we have to deal with accordingly. We are very excited. And today is the day that you unveil your 2024 forecast um, because this is going live on the first great way to start the new year is with what you see happening in the housing market after three very crazy years and after especially 2022, which will go down in history, as you've said, as the craziest housing year ever. Yeah, you know what? I, I The older I get, the more I realize how if somebody gives you a forecast, but not a live tracking model to go with it, um, they're really doing you a disservice by sitting there and waiting for old data. So what we're going to do today is give like we always do. You know, I always take a, a huge pride in my forecasts. We're always going to always focus people on what variables can change the housing market. And then our tracker will be able to capture this. So whether it goes positive or negative, you know, we're there for everyone 24-7 because this is all I do 24-7. So everybody should be up to date with the fastest, freshest data so we don't get shocked and old and slow and then wait four or five months to then try to figure out what's going on. So today's we'll give you a brief look on what 2024 should be, but also the key variables to kind of monitor on a daily basis. So let's start um, Let's start at the top. Do you want to start with uh, mortgage rates, 10-year yield forecast, or the range? Yes, everything everything revolves around the ten year yield. Everything revolves around where that goes, and uh, uh, we've we've seen this after twenty ten uh, in the data always. Whatever the ten year yield rises, uh, mortgage uh, application demand gets hit, sales fall. When it falls, demand picks up. Even when we've had periods of times where we go from you know seven and a half percent rates down to six percent, we do see growth in the data. Um, but here I believe in channels. So when I do, I don't do a mortgage rate forecast. I do a range, uh, last year said, you know, we should be between four and a quarter and 3.21% on the 10 year yield. That means 5.75% to seven and a quarter on mortgage rates. What happened? The banking crisis created the spreads to get worse. So after the Silicon Valley bank issues, the spreads headed up higher, which means, a quarter to half a percent higher in rates than what it should have been. But even with that, seven and a half to 7.75 would have been the peak. What, what, what occurred is toward the end of the year, the economic growth started to really pick up. Uh, jobless claims started to fall. The Fed got hawkish. The 10-year yield shot up to 5%. We had 8% mortgage rates. It's something we even talked about uh, all year. If the economy outperformed, you can get mortgage rates to 8%. But now it's a different part of the cycle, right? The history of economics have taught us that when the market believes the Fed has done hiking rates, you usually see that first big rally 
in bond yields and mortgage rates. And that's what occurred. So when we go into 2024, nothing really changes for me because the Fed hasn't pivoted. I know a lot of people consider what the Fed did was pivoting, but no, they are not in neutral or accommodative stance whatsoever. They overhiked. It's we're very restrictive policy still today with the growth rate of inflation. So the channel sticks at four and a quarter to 3.21% on the 10 year yield, which means seven and a quarter to 5.75% on mortgage rates. However, now that we have turned the cycle around to, okay, we're no longer hiking. If the economic data gets worse, right, that 10 year yield is going to break. And we're going to go to 2.72% on the 10-year yield. This doesn't actually necessarily even need the labor market to break anymore. But that Gandalf line at 3.37 is going to be key. But if the spreads get better as they have in the past, right? We've had times where the spreads get worse and they usually get better. We can get to very low 5% mortgage rates, even below 5% if the 10-year yield can break under 3%. So what is key to follow throughout the year is how the spreads are working and where the 10-year yield is going. Forget so much about the mortgage rate itself. Follow the economic data. And this is why we we're, we do this every week. So we're going to have that range between 7 and a quarter at 5.75 as the base. But we can get down to 5% if the spreads get noticeably better. And they have been improving lately. And that's a positive. We should be under 5.5% today as we speak. We're at 6.5%. Uh, so... Because we're in a different stage of the cycle, we're going to keep an eye on all of this because, as we can see, rates are moving very fast. This is not like it was in the previous decade where a half a percent move would be big in, in, within a year. We're getting 2% moves now always. So we sh- we got to expand the uh, channel and the rate range a little bit more to, uh, to go with the data. So we will track jobless claims data. And remember, the, everything is based on the jobless claims data uh, if it breaks above 323,000 on the four-week moving average. Not the case. It's still very low. Uh, but that's where we should be because, to me, everybody keeps on saying the Fed has pivoted. They haven't. They are still in restrictive policy. The pivot, to me, is we are cutting rates to be accommodative for the economy, right? They're not. They're still restrictive. So don't expect, like, all of a sudden – the 10-year yield to drop and mortgage rates to drop unless the economic data warrants it. So we're still in that range. We still have the Gandalf range, uh, Gandalf line at 3.37, but it's more imperative now this year than last year to follow data because the Fed has ended the rate height cycle, but they are still extremely uh, restrictive right now with their policy, especially toward the housing market. So explain to me and to our listeners potentially if you don't feel like it's a Fed pivot, you have good reasons for that. Um, does then your forecast take into account the three rate hike, the three rate cuts, excuse me, that we expect in 2024 from the Fed? We can cut rates one and a half percent tomorrow, and we would just be almost getting to neutral. Uh, so a neutral is not accommodative. Uh, so we are still where the economy is still firm and the growth rate of inflation is falling, but not in their target. So uh, I've already accounted for three rate cuts, but I look at it this way. And we've talked about this, Sarah, going back to last year at this time, the Fed panicked and they told us they want the Fed funds rate to match three, six and 12 month core PCE. Three, six month is running at 2%. 
12 month is running at three and a half percent. The Fed funds rates at five and a quarter. They are very restrictive. So um, they can cut 75 basis points. They will still be restrictive. So we have to be mindful of this. And this is why mortgage rates are so high, right? We had lower mortgage rates with the higher growth rate of inflation. So if the Fed decides to be more proactive with their statements and try to talk the bond market down, or even say, we're going to slow down our quantitative tightening, we've got to be there and we'll take that into consideration but they got to start doing that for us to change. This is why the weekly tracker is very key. They are, there are things the Fed can do, pull levers to get the bond market to go lower and to get mortgage rates. They choose not to. And I always like to remind everyone this year in 2023, in February, when mortgage rates were getting to 6%, when demand was picking up and we found some life, they brought out President Neil Kashkari, who went on CNBC crying that we're making their jobs harder because people are buying homes and having sex and living their lives. If that happens again, after everything we've been through with the growth rate of inflation falling with the uh, labor market not breaking, no, okay? Ask for his resignation, get out. If it's too hard of a job, move along, go fishing, go play chess, go read Civil War books. That's what you, Neil Kashkari likes to read Civil War books. But if the Fed starts to get more proactive and does pull some of those levers, that rates can go down to the low fives. But as of right now, we're just not there yet. I just think that that last move to 8% mortgage rates, I mean, you got to think about it. The growth rate of inflation is falling, and all of a sudden, then that's the time to be hawkish? That spooked them, right? They don't need to do this anymore. This is why we hold the Fed's uh, you know, feet to the fire on this one. Okay, you overhiked, realize your mistake, start to get more proactive. A more proactive Fed will be beneficial for rates, but we, I just don't, we haven't seen that. Yet. All we've done is they've said, okay, we're done hiking. We overhiked and the 10 year yield and mortgage rates did what they did. So we still have to follow the economic data. We still have to follow jobless claims. We still have to follow, but they have not stopped quantitative tightening. They're not purchasing. There are so many things that they're not doing. So I disagree with everyone's fed pivot a talk because to me, they're still very restrictive. So remind us again, what's your, what's your mortgage rate range right now? And as you said, you're going to be tracking it weekly. So, but similar to last year, 3.21 on the 10 year yield on the bottom, four and a quarter on the top, 5.75 to seven and a quarter, right? That's the mortgage rates. If the spreads get better, you can get to five and a quarter. We should be there almost already, but the spreads haven't gotten that good yet. Okay. So just based on that, to get sub 5% mortgage rates, you need the 10-year yield to break under 3.21% and the spreads to get better on itself. That, okay, labor market getting softer could get us there. So we have things to track on a weekly basis and we go with it because you can't sit here with a forecast. Rates just go this, right? We're no, we're no longer in the very slow tight range anymore. So you have to expand the rate range and go with the data because it moves so wild. And this is why we had to make sure to create the tracker this year. We did. We did. Okay. So let's talk about demand. When mortgage rates fall, generally speaking, demand picks up. And I want to talk about what that looks like and how that then um, affects inventory, what inventory will be like to meet that demand, and then that affects home prices. So let's talk about what you see for demand. So last year, we had three months of positive purchase application data. Rates went from 7.37% down to 6%. It usually takes about 12 to 14 weeks of a positive purchase application data trend to get anything uh, uh, noticeable. Like, for example, the pending home sales data came out today and the pending home sales didn't go anywhere, right? It's still too early. We've only had six weeks of positive purchase application data. Um, 
the second week of January to the first week of May. That's where all the seasonal volume of purchase application data. You're going to need to see at least six to seven months of positive forward-looking purchase application data if you want existing home sales, monthly sales print. This is this is my only target right here for 2024. Monthly sales print can get to a 4.72 million uh, for a, a few months, but it needs sub 6% mortgage rates. We haven't seen anything yet to, to say the existing home sales market is like COVID, right? COVID-19 was just a, such a sharp rebound. But if the forward-looking purchase apps get you, you can get to, to those levels. Remember, we have basically had a COVID-19 housing economic policy here in America where nobody wants anybody to move or do anything. So we're just sitting here as we get closer to death, right? We're just waiting. So uh, lower rates with lower duration can, can get that to happen. But if it goes this back and forth stuff, right, it just can't get any traction. So we need to see... Like the new home sales market, the new home sales market grew double digits with sub-6% rates. Uh, sub-6% rates with the existing home sales market can get more sellers. That'll be buyers. It won't create more active inventory in a big fashion, but you can get demand to rise. Uh, so I'm hoping that the new listings data, because we had an abnormal dive lower in 2022 and hung out all the way here in 2023, the fact that we stabilized in 2023 is actually really good. We need the new listings data to grow. People forget about this, but from the year 2000 to 2007, inventory grew for seven years and home prices still had gains, right? But back then, I would argue the credit markets facilitated the demand. Here, you don't have those kind of credit markets. So anybody that lists their homes, unless they're stressed, a majority are going to be sellers, are going to be buyers. So the supply and demand equilibrium can actually facilitate higher home prices with more new listings. As long as that demand is there, um, that will be a positive for housing in 2024. I am just very skeptical because so far we have not had a normal seasonal increase in inventory one year post-COVID. Uh, uh, and the, my premise is that every single year after 2020, we've had a very late surge in demand that takes the active listings to seasonal bottom in March or April, which is not normal, usually bottoms in January. So we need to more than ever track the weekly inventory data to get it because new listings data should grow, active inventory should grow. That's what happens usually in the spring and summer happens. But if we could get it with lower rates, we could get rising demand together, right? And get a functioning housing market. And that's, that's what I want more than anything in 2024 to get something back to normal, which we haven't had. Uh, uh, in the last four years. So I want to do um, one note. When you talk about the monthly sales and then you talk about 4 million, it's it's confusing because what, what you really mean is that we're trending monthly to get 4 million, around 4 million home sales for the year, correct? Well, f home sales have been around in the bottom for around 4 million for most of the year. We had one big sales print early this year and then home sales what have I'm been trending is, lower. What I'm saying is it's not monthly. You're talking you're talking about monthly numbers, but the monthly numbers is just the trend. So that the yearly number yeah, is around. Yeah, it's the trend. So if we're if we're looking at to total total existing home sales, you're looking at between four point seven uh, million to maybe four point six four. That would be probably the best case for total existing home sales. But you can, of course, you know it's a twelve month average, right? So some some sale prints are going to be higher, some prints are going to be lower, and it, it averages itself out. But I I don't I'm not even thinking about five million 
sales print at all. I I need to see if we can even get to 4.72 million uh, just because we need purchase application data to grow, right? And COVID, it was so easy. It just grew right back. We're still at literally the most depressed levels ever, right? So it needs lower rates with duration. That's how housing works after 2010. You need mortgage rates to stay lower so people can start making choices and moving with their lives. The COVID-19 economic policies are not working for the housing market. So people have to start moving around. And when rates go back and forth like this, it makes it a little bit hesitant. Rates go higher, demand falls. So we need a period of time where rates trend lower and stay lower and be lower for longer, right? Even though it's historically very high compared to what we saw after 2010, people could start to making choices. Because remember, we list our houses now knowing that we qualify. Nobody lists their house and then goes, okay, I'm now going into the mortgage process. Oh, I can't qualify, right? You know, it doesn't work that way anymore because since most sellers are buyers, there you go. Now, of course, the other variable is what if we do get a job loss recession, then you're going to get more forced equity sellers into the marketplace, right? Uh, uh, but we don't have anything. We don't see anything like that for the last four years. And until we see that, we don't really want to address that topic just yet. Um, but lower rates for a longer period, monthly sales can grow, but I want to see if we can get to at least one or two sales prints at 4.72 million. That is kind of the bottom end range of what we had in the previous decade. Right. Uh, uh, and, and I think people forget this after 2008, 2008 sales got down to like 3.37 sales were kind of slowly rising. We just had so much excess supply in there that they couldn't take the, uh, uh demand off, but if we could get rising sales, right. More new listings, everything that for once would be a, a functioning housing market that doesn't have these wild swings uh, anymore. So the first four months of 2024, will be crucial, right? Uh, uh, the seasonal peak in purchase application data is typically kind of like the first week, uh, second week of May. After May, total volumes generally always fall. It's been very a functional market in the previous decade. COVID has ruined a lot of things on that, but that still seasonally matters out there. Remember, purchase application data looks out 30 to 90 days. So just think about, can we get to 4.72 million in this year? And definitely a sub 6% mortgage rate with duration, right? Duration is key, can get us there based on what I've seen on the new home sales data with their sub 6% mortgage rate. But again, we're still above 6.5% and we're just starting the year off. And we're still, again, the Fed is very restrictive, especially toward the housing market. So they have not pivoted in a, in a meaningful way at all with their policy right now. So I wanted to bring up um, another part of um, the demand discussion, which is something that you talked about. So uh, Mike Simonson, president of Altos Research, uh, which Housing Wire, um, you know, uh, we have Altos Research now as part of our family of companies. He does a weekly podcast called Top of Mind. You were on that podcast last week uh, by the time this comes out. And you were talking about the people who were really shut out. I don't know how you want to you want to categorize them, but the people that we would expect to come back, right? They were shut out of over the last couple of years, mostly first time home buyers or or that millennial buyer who we have that big demographic patch, but they've just been frustrated with you know the fact that it, affordability and especially mortgage rates. So you talked to him about what that what that number is out there that could really spur demand. Okay, so this goes into a longer economic discussion of my work. From 2008 to 2019, I did not believe 
we had the right demographics to get total home sales at 6.2 million. Um, that's existing in new home sales together, right? So the only period in time I thought that could ever even happen is really from uh, 2020 to 2024. Remember the whole household formation uh, discussion. People rent, they date, they mate, they get married. Three and a half years after marriage, they have kids. Typically people who make good money, dual household incomes, right? Especially double income, college educated, dice. You get them together, they typically buy single family homes. Years 2020 to 2024 has the most of that group ever recorded in the history. That's why I always found it really interesting that the people said the demographics of you of housing were terrible at this point, chose the best time in his like the best demographic patch to say this. But but what occurred was we were fine for 2020, 2021, but the problem was home prices accelerated out of my you know comfort zone. Uh, and, and then once the 10-year yield broke above 1.94%, then my models completely shattered or broken. So home sales crashed, right? We went from 6.5 million in January of 2022 down to 4 million in, in 12 months. So we're missing about 4.2 to 4.7 million home buyers in the mix because mortgage rates have gone up so much. Right. So every like 1% depends on who you listen to. There's an additional 3.7 to 5.1 million more people uh, not qualified anymore as rates go up. But if rates come down, those people are qualified. So since we are missing that group and they haven't been here in 2022, nor they have haven't been here in 2023, right now going into 2024, we're missing them. So do they come out with lower mortgage rates? Some should, right? Because uh, the demand is there. It's an affordability issue for them. So the only way to get affordability better is lower mortgage rates. Obviously, home prices are not falling, right? The growth rate is slowed down, but they're not falling. So we'll see if that happens. I, I believe you, the longer mortgage rates stay under 6%, the better it is for housing, right? But um, we're, those people have not been here the last two years. And this was the period in time that I was thinking they will be here. Now, of course, this is the end of 2024 right? Uh, that was all my work. I really didn't even plan to do anything after this uh, 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 next year. But now that we've had such a crash in sales, that those people didn't die. This is not like that TV show where they just like disappeared on a plane or something, right? They're still there. So you have an extended uh, branch of demand that's just been what I call the COVID-19 Federal Reserve Housing Policy for people just sitting there getting closer to death, wasting their life away, waiting for rates to fall down. Rates fall down, you get a little bit more demand that comes back in there. This doesn't mean that we go back to six and a half million because the affordability issue is real, right? People have to qualify now, but you have that base. It can, it can bounce up off of this 4 million level, right? The 4 million level, which you know for many years I've talked about, um, held, and that that's such a key right? Because there's that core buyer that's always been there. Uh, and so far, there's nothing I've seen yet to really crash below there. Like we did in the late 1970s, it took a few years, but we went from 4 million down to 2 million back then. Here, we went from 6.5 million to 4 million. So we have some buyer demand. So it's, it's, it's sitting there. And that's why I always like to use the term COVID-19 stay at home policy, because once you're free, right? Once the Federal Reserve stops, you know, fighting, trying to fight the 1970s, we could get back to living again. And those people could get back into the home buyer market. But the last two, two years, that policy has kind of kept people at bay. And it's affordability issue, right? You can no longer buy a house on credit 
you can't qualify. Everyone has to qualify on that basis points. And always remember, uh, millennials or Gen Z, these people 90% plus finance their mortgage or home buying, right? So they are mortgage buyers. They were the biggest home buyers in America up until rates went up. As rates went up, the baby boomers and Gen X took over, right? And when you talk about baby boomers above the age of 58, um, more than half of those people buy with cash, right? So it's not, it's not, they're not so predicated to the mortgage market, but you get mortgage market, the kids get back in here. And that, that's why I've always said that if you look at total inventory in America, it's been falling for many years, but if you look at purchase application data, it's been rising for many. Those are the young kids, right? Millennials started to buy in 2013. So you get some of them more back in the mix. You got those buyers. They're there. They haven't gone away. They're not dead, right? But they do need lower mortgage rates. This is why I always say that you need lower mortgage rates with durations because the housing market really revolves around the 10-year yield now because everyone has to qualify for a mortgage now. It's not like it was in 2000 to 2005. I think that that credit market has has confused so many people with both the inventory prices and demand data lines. So let's talk about the other, you know, arm of affordability, if you will, which is home prices. So I think home prices were one of the things that surprised people in 2023, because generally speaking, as rates rise, home prices moderate, right? Just because demand goes down. We did not see that this year. What is 2024? What do you expect for 2024 home prices? So carbon copy of 2022, right? We are literally working with the same playbook here. Right. So what, what's occurred is inventory roughly has stayed the same. New listings data has stayed the same. Demand is picking up already. As long as this continues, nothing's going to change, right? Very low inventory, rising demand, very low single digit price growth, right? It's similar to what we had last year, right? But last year, I think, I think the, the, the most confusing aspect about prices is that everyone screams, Prices follow volumes and there's a lack. There's a lot of smart economists who kept on saying this throughout the year that eventually it's a lag. It's a lag. Because we had rising inventory go all the way to 2007, home prices really didn't fall from 2008 to 2011, right? So uh, that's what they're waiting for, except we had 4 million active listings back in 2007, right? This is the NAR data right? We're a little bit above 1.1 million today. So the supply and demand equilibrium has changed. This is why I've always tell, we have to discuss about the supply and demand equilibrium, active listings, new listings, price cut percentages, 10-year yield mortgage rates. That's why the tracker was created. So as of right now, if everything stays the same, you're getting a 2022 carbon copy. If jobless claims breaks, we can start discussing about forced, forced equity sellers. And then and that happens, then mortgage rates will go down lower, right? And then all of a sudden, that 157 million people are going to get lower rates. Can that army is still bigger than whatever people are going to lose their homes, right? So uh, if that discussion gets a little bit more sophisticated when it happens, right? That was the whole COVID-19 uh, recovery. People didn't think that, why would people be buying homes? There's 20 to 30 million people unemployed, 5 million in forbearance. And I always said, you're all cute but I have 133 million people behind me with 3% mortgage rates. They are not going to sit there and wait for you. They're going to go over there. Housing is a cost of shelter. So again, everything to me still revolves around where the 10-year yield goes, but let's just keep the same carbon copy of 2022 
going into 2023, let's keep it for 2023, going into 2024, and we follow the tracker data. And if anything deviates, if things, if pricing starts to pick up and get hotter, we'll go with it. If it gets weaker, we'll go with it. But whatever it is, we've got the data now. So for right now, low single digits, price gains nationally. But if rates keep on falling, long, lower for longer duration, price cut percentages start to decrease, right? Uh, that means you, I can be wrong and we can see a little bit more hotter price growth. Or let's say something happens where rates are still very high. The job loss recession happens. People feel like they need to get out or something like that. You get an excess inventory surge and rates are still too high, right? We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But as of right now, keep it simple. Use last year's model. Go with it until the weekly variable changes. That's what it is, right? I think I think so many people did get confused because they fell for the prices have to crash now because volumes crashed in 2022. That did not happen within a few months. We already got back to uh, all-time highs. So we go with it every single week. We're not going to abandon you, right? There's some people who do uh, um, yearly forecasts and just basically leave. Not us. We're going to guide you every single day of the way. I appreciate that. We are. That's that's our job. So looking, you know, compared to this time last year, looking forward to 2024, seems much sunnier to me. How would how would you characterize the way you feel about, you know, optimism uh, for, for people in housing specifically for 2024? I think the optimism comes from the Fed being done, right? Where last year, I mean, even me, even me last year, I thought, okay, rates could go lower, but God, I just can't. I can't get, I just can't get underneath 3.37, right? And if the economy is not breaking, if the economy is not breaking, rates can go up again, you know? Uh, here, there's no longer the, you know, the Fed's going to hike, keep on hiking, being aggressive. So uh, there's optimism in the fact that, of course, we're no longer at 8% mortgage rates, we're at roughly around six and a half. And also the fact that maybe the Fed becomes pro-housing again. They haven't been. Uh, they've had a strict COVID-19 housing economic policy. So uh, if that gets better, then you, you you got stuff to work with in a positive side, right? But I think getting the Fed out of the equation uh, makes everyone happy. And again, what we, what we saw the last few weeks is basically what we see in every economic cycle. When the Fed's done, mortgage rates rally bond yields. Now we work off of that. I'm just, I'm not in the Fed pivot camp. Uh, I know a lot of people just say the Fed pivoted, but it just, they overhike to me and they're trying to correct their mistakes and they're still very restrictive. A pivot was designed to be, oh, the economy is getting bad. The Fed has to move to do an economative stance. They're not doing that. They're they're still very restrictive. So there's 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 a lot to be positive about on that front. Uh, uh, and the 10-year yield going lower looks, makes more sense now than last year. Love it. Well, Logan, we are out of time. Um, I know you you will also be writing an article that we'll publish on this. So if people want to get all the specifics in, in written form, we'll have that as well. But thank you so much. Thanks for this year of being on the podcast two times a week, rain or shine, holidays or not, and um, and helping us really get this message out, but also getting us to number two in you know the overall business news podcast in the US of A. That was amazing. And uh, just want to give you credit for that. I really appreciate it. And it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I think one of the more enjoyable things was beating you live on stage when you asked for people to raise your hands for the mortgage rate lockdown and you got two, maybe three people. That was a lot of fun for me personally, Sarah. Um, but also, I think for all of you that are listening, we are not going to abandon you. 
We're going to track this stuff every single day uh, uh, because when markets change, we need to get you uh, up to date with the data. That was the whole purpose of everything here on Housing Wire. Now we have Mike Simonson, Alters Research, the tracker, everything. We will not abandon you 24-7 all the time, right? Because economics never sleeps. Neither do I. And I appreciate that so much. Logan, thank you again, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.